Hello and welcome to June's tarot offering on emotional deprivation as part of the Inner Demons series. I rewatched a documentary recently called Blackfish. In it, when a mother whale was separated from her baby by humans for commercial purposes, she made a completely new form of communication through long wave messages, her voice echoing throughout the ocean, clutching to the search of her stolen child. It made me think about how we communicate with something, someone after we've lost it, and how some actions and emotions are like a poem embedded into the body through rote learning. The Emperor. Joan Didion once wrote, Grief turns out to be a place none of us knows until we reach it. In the Philippines, when my mother was growing up, she sold little plastic sandwich bags of fizzy drinks and dried tea bags by the roadside in the village she lived in. That's how they survived for a while. I remember visiting my grandparents' house after a volcano had erupted when I was a teenager. Everything was covered in grey. History is the story we tell ourselves. We all build upon the past. Speaking of building. Engineering alchemy transformed environments, landscapes, and updated the map we had of the soul. In ancient times, South American tribes imported soil from great distances from the edges of their known landscape to create green fields and flowing streams of water in the desert. They basically made ace of cups in the sand. It made me think of the way that memory, the mind, makes what it needs to make. This month, for my offering on emotional deprivation, I've written a short story that gets into the ribcage of the most common maladaptive schema. It's very much inspired by a chapter by Han Kang that stuns and stops me in my tracks every time I read it. I've scattered a handful of quotes from it within and a line from Olivia Lang's new book has been pressed against the roof of my mouth ever since I touched it with my teeth. The pen couldn't kill, but it could reveal the dysfunction of foundational myths. And a stanza from a poem I read recently by Simon Ortiz that melts into the skin like a lotion. People are not born They are made when they become human beings within ritual, tradition, 
purpose, responsibility. In nature, there is no death, just a reshuffling of atoms. It made me think of the concept of trans-individualism, and I couldn't resist a story that depicts the tower as a body of flesh, a household of flesh. A physical union between bodies is also a wish. The lovers. So, let's get in with the story, I guess. Hastily flopping our bodies over one another, matching the shape of a cross. I felt a staggering Then the bluish, unskinned body of a man I didn't know was dropped like an egg onto my stomach. In the same air, face down, on top of him a tall, slender boy, younger than me, sagged to the crook of his knees, slumped down onto my frame's bare flesh. Was I still with my body when his hair brushed my cooling face? Until now, I never really believed it when I heard people say, you don't have to die before you live. I could visualize all of that and the shape of the helmets, Military uniforms, armbands, wrapping around the hot sleeves of blood-speckled camouflage. Heading our way in the chattering dusk. Powdery blues and poured on sheen. I remember. There was a vehicle, a large truck maybe. They threw our bodies in. I smelled honey and needles of pines oozing. Their movements mechanized after not much time at all. In the grand silence of grief, I clung to my contours, pushing the hem of my cheeks, the back of my neck, anything I could hold on to, staring at nothing just to get it right. How to get nothing right. I felt alone in the truck, incapable of touching the other bodies around. I couldn't see them, couldn't feel them. Infinite bundles of phrases, images and symbols curved and sweat poured in. We'll always have what we had, see you in another life. Those words were blood leached now. Entropy. I'd lost enough blood to stop my heart, but the red kite endured, kept going. I grew paler as the night dragged indigo splatter darkly and swelling broadly. Holding something I could still feel was strange, could still feel the sound of a wave out on the ocean that could never move away. The obsessive inky song slashing and cascading. The immaterial weight of each body and whatever it was attached to. 
Night fell like a coin in a slot. We passed trees I had forgotten the name of. A white gate swung into our view, another sort of door imitating heavy. That was when we stopped. Then the shrieking sound of the sharp metal burrowed into the air as the gate opened. I watched the men, climbing down from the truck, walking round to the back and undoing things, latches, bolts and doors. I couldn't let go. If I had the ability to say what I wanted, whenever I chose, then... As I looked out toward the grey building, wherever they had placed us, the windows were jabbed by ugly, swishing strips of light. I had a bag full of questions. A line from a poem slinked into my skull. I added salt and chewed these words over and over for hours. The more names you have, the more of a person you become. I didn't know much, but I knew enough to know that someone else was in charge, that they got other men to stack our bodies. Was stacking us in a cross symbolic or convenient? I knew that there was no more blood left in my body when the last drips had come out in a slow flurry. I'd lost count of how many people were above me actioning pressure, crushing those last red beads from me. The girl they flung to the top of my pile was the only one among us. We were a towering flesh house. I wanted to know how many bodies were on top of me. Collectively, we fused, rotting and melding with time into a many-legged monster, a rancid beast. The uniforms left and night settled into the crevices around us. In the absence of light, I climbed up the rotten steps of the tower, clambering up the bodies to meet the energy of the moon. I was searching for the blue smell of the ocean. I don't know what time it was when I felt the scrape of an immaterial. Without faces or words, no one had ever taught me how to address a person's soul. It seemed my companion was equally baffled. Without the familiar bulk of language, still we sensed a physical force, our existence in the mind of the other when, eventually I felt him sigh away, his resignation, his abandonment, left me alone again. This happened over and over with others. Dear heart, don't be so strange to me, but be nature. Our edges would become aware of each other, and then we would lose ourselves in wandering, Handless, faceless, tongueless. We watched but never truly connected to the heart's real meat. A compressed melancholy, igniting, bursting into flames, smothering walls, words and glass. 
that were always licked and gutted by some sort of barrier. A cold, dead body cannot emit heat. And that tells us a lot about time. I wanted to look up and believe in the moon, in something else watching over me. It was then I thought of you. You'd been there with me always, until our ears split apart from the piercing charm of the gun's fire, and the warmth of our blood spread all over our bellies and legs. Until then, you were with me. The song of hidden birds in the trees, an expression of morning flowering. Gusts of wind grazed the tree's dark leaves. The pale sun trembled over the lip of the horizon, moving up to the sky's centre in a violent, majestic advance. Our bodies got softer, insects gorged on our supple sinews, clags of blood drying red-black in the sun. I pushed away from my feelings in an attempt to crash into you. I tried to detach but some force pulled me into the darkness again. I knew you weren't there. I tried to reach or feel somewhere inside of me that could get to you. It felt like this for a while, I guess. Then the questions repeated. Were you still alive? Would we find each other? How would we recognize each other if we weren't standing pillars of blood anymore? I only thought of you. The sun blazed on. Maybe we were near some hills. I focused only on thinking of you. And I felt an agony that almost broke me. You were dead now. I could feel it. I couldn't feel anyone else. I tried. I tried so hard to reach anything else. With neither tongue nor voice to carry it, my scream leaked out from me in a watered-down trickle of blood. My soul self had no eyes. Where was the blood coming from? What nerve endings were sparking this pain? I felt like that song. I couldn't remember my age. Numbers were blobs drumming out light here. Who was I now without the body? What did love mean here? Had I given it all to one man? Was everything I knew about love or what I felt I knew bundled up into wanting to kill and die for him? Ripping. The things I needed to know wouldn't stop rewording loss, unpeeling me. I needed to know that I could get back to you. My body continued to spoil in the sun. More and more blowflies clustered into my widening wounds. Insects rubbed their tiny, shiny legs against our faces and hands, settling on eyelids, knuckles and lips. Throughout the evening, the screech of the unlocked, painted iron door swung saloon style, slicing the night silence into pieces crosses on top of crosses. I inhaled the arrival of fresh corpses, more souls to awkwardly bump into, 
but never really touch. There was a girl, set apart from the rest, special. She had been tended to. Someone had taken the time. Carefully, they must have washed and handled her body and brushed her gleaming golden hair. Her bandages glowed in the dark. In that moment, it was the only light there was, because there wasn't any moon. As if death was enough to mean that there was nothing different between us. But there was something infinitely noble about how her body still bore the traces of the hands that had touched it. A tangible record of having been cared for, been valued, that made me envious and sad. Mine, on the other hand, crushed out of shape beneath a tower of others, was shameful, detestable. From that moment on, I was filled with hatred for my body, our bodies tossed there like lumps of meat, our filthy rotting faces reeking in the sticky heat of a summer's night. I wished I could close my eyes and be free of them without having to lose anything. I wished I could trust sleep enough to escape this anxious, half-brain zombie mess. If I could descend into the navy near black of my consciousness, there is nowhere further back than that deep blue. If I could cloak myself in dreams, or perhaps in memories, if I could go back to that February, waiting for you, wriggling impatiently, on my bed, texting you, how nervous I felt, to the moment when I opened the door, to the moment after we'd splashed rose water to our skin with our rose-colored words. What's his name? Fagin. The moment our eyes met and we laughed carefree, the moment when we were both about to say something real, then something stopped us, the night you held me that way, the moments I looked into your face and told you, my stupid stories, the ways I set my heart on wanting to hear all of yours. As the sun was setting again, I crashed heavy to feel colour, to hold the ability, like Icarus, to bleed into the sun, to become miles and miles and miles. My muscles rolled nerves into gristle. My bones dripped formlessly, a ceremony of words rushing to the spill of blood towards sound. Exactly what another could touch in me at this point. Hold to a sharp, scattered, shadow green sunlit in acid lime. Hold to a thought of shining. I shut my eyes to see if I could feel his hands pass over my face and body. I shut them tighter to hear the rustling of the synthetic quilt below us in the darkness. That laughter I'd heard again erupting from, bo from us both. 
when he threw the packet of crisps on the bedroom floor and pretended to be a Pokemon. I replayed his laughter, over and over. That was the memory I had to cling to. I had to conjure up every little sensation of that day. The cold wind, heavy with moisture, that had blown in through the window late that night. The soft shush of it against the soles of my bare feet. The scent of your cologne that rose from your throat, spliced in with menthol from the gum you always chewed. The rabbit I named Bunny when I was five or six, dancing in the garden, making friends with the neighbor's cats. The grass that gave me a rash but smelled so sweet and fresh anyway. I had to have more memories. I had to keep seeing old stories. Pouring a bath and letting it flood after that phone call. Walking by the river against the current of the blowing wind. How I heard you when you asked me to get on your bike. I should have said yes. I invented a memory of us cruising by the rocks and ocean. Riding by the sheen of the moon's pre-industrial light. I remember a red sun on the rain, the dry air. Sunday, in fact it was Jesus' birthday. I was on my way to church for some quiet and then I remembered how the world was covered in ocean and how it always reflects the sky. Vomiting on the bus when I was six into the sleeve of my puffer jacket possibly from the egg mayonnaise sandwich my sister made for me for breakfast that day. Smoking spliff after spliff. The smell of cutting strawberries and dipping the bum of its whole soft prickly body, red wet flesh into a plate splattered with grainy sugar. Pressing the heat from the silver aluminium foil party plate of just cooked purple yam cake blazing hot against my tummy, pressing with my fingers through the cling film, yearning to be taller, to be able to do crow pose in yoga. For the first time when I would hold a husband in my arms, the first man who would let me, whose face I couldn't see anymore, how I longed to reach into the outer edges of his affections, and slowly falling over, together, over and over. I think of the tug of my hot blood, the chill of the initial impact, the hole, the blast, the eyes of the guy who gave order to fire. I wanted to penetrate their eyelids, slipping serpents, murderous claws and bolts of thunder into their dreams, draining them of peace until their bodies exploded in a cacophony of corpulent pain. On one occasion, the bodies of ten people they'd just piled up seemed to be missing their heads. At first, I thought they'd been decapitated. Then I realised that their faces had been covered in white paint, 
deleting our features. It reminded me of water running, gushing so hard it turns a marble white. Was this what hashtag solidarity looked like in the end? As the men threw fire at us, eight of wands, I pulled you towards me with all my strength, singing you a song of some holy white knight in satin, knight of cups, before they blanked out our face, our faces with white paint. The rot ran quickest in the bodies at the base of the tower, white grubs burrowing into them until not an inch of skin was left untouched. My face blackened and swelled, my features turned into festering ulcers, the contours that had defined me, that had given me clear edges, crumbled into ambiguity. When the sun broke up the night's heavy heat, and light slid over our bodies, it forced the rot to run much quicker. I imagined the pleasure of a trellis covered in green, littered with drops of orange petaled roses climbing, a smell of the soil after a warm, light rain had fallen. The texture of rubbing the dripping wet dew of a newly cut rosebud onto my chest and the smell of grass that had been cut into the late afternoon. A man poured petrol onto each stack of bodies. No body got any more or less petrol. They hurled flaming sprigs of rosemary at us, ten of wands. As we burned, our souls bumped into one another in a constant stream of electric shocks throughout the day. Had they burned us at this hour so that our burning wouldn't shine black, yellow, orange against the thick backdrop of navy sky? With more time, could we have understood and known each other enough? Enough for what? Our clothes and hair were the first to be eaten by the flames. It was then I realised that what had been binding us to this place was none other than that flesh, that hair, those muscles, those organs. The magnetic force holding us to our bodies rapidly began to lose its strength. They left us before watching us fully burn away. Whatever was left after the boiling and hissing of the viscera's water and organs disappeared into smoke and bone. We were free to go, but where? I asked myself. Do you get the same lover you lost back if you want it bad enough? It took a while for the flames to get to me, to you again. I went. I was ashamed of my body, but I wanted to find you. And just like that, everything became clear. I'd be able to find my way back into the city. I'd be able to go back to something real. You became a colour swelling up like flames. The static crackling grew louder. I didn't know where, when or how you died but I knew that I felt it. Should I have gone the day that you asked me to? 
I wonder this and so much more for a while. One more line until the flames lick my pale face up. One more line from Ortiz and that fucking poem. The knowledge we derive from the education we get is our own. Knowledge is determined by our cultural, spiritual, linguistic, political environment. And if you're still here, thank you so much for listening this month. And um, yeah, I hope to see you again next month. Take care.